Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. We have made it to Friday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Glad to have you along for the ride across the Magnolia State. 14 Supertalk Mississippi stations online at supertalk.fm. Also online at supertalktv.com. Maybe you're watching on your Roku or some other way. We're glad to have you along. Thanks for being with us on this Friday. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. If you would like to be a part of the conversation, you know how. C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Bull, there's a lot of it in wireless, but C Spire thinks you deserve a plan that's actually what it says. So here's the real deal. The best plan for one or two lines, $45 each with auto pay and paperless billing. No bull, cspire.com. Bunch to get to with you this afternoon. Of course, we've got the Masters going on. We'll take a look at the leaderboard in just a moment. Luke Johnson will join us. We'll talk a little Southern Miss football with him. Bruce Marshall will join the show in his normal time slot just after uh, 4 o'clock to uh, begin the 4 o'clock hour of the show, the second hour of the show. Not as many games to pick, at least not this week in the uh, SEC. We've got a big high school football discussion coming your way for the uh, last half of the 4 o'clock hour with Stephen Gagliano and Will East. Several playoff games with forfeits because of COVID positives or contact tracing. And so you've got teams advancing in the playoffs without even playing a game. And that's happening in a bunch of places all over the state of Mississippi. Guys, what's up? Still having a good laugh to myself after reading some quotes that now Senator Tommy Tuberville gave to a local publication in Alabama yesterday. Oh, about the three branches of government? <laughs> yeah, the football The House, coach. the Senate, and the what? What What was the third? The, the House, the Senate, and the executive? So he got the executive right, but apparently the House and the Senate are the other two branches of the government. Mm. Mr. Tuberville been, apparently has never heard of the Supreme Court. Could have been worse. He could have said offense, defense, and special teams. <laughs> that that yeah. would have been a better answer than the one he gave. And then uh, he doesn't really have much of a grasp on World War II history. Either. So it's almost like electing a football coach to public office has its drawbacks. Yeah, he's going to have advisors. (laughs) He's going to have advisors helping him with policy decisions and whatnot. That's kind of something that you should just know, though. You know, I was having this conversation with my wife. I mean, how many advisors can you give an idiot? I mean, if you're an idiot, it doesn't matter who's advising you. You just do whatever the hell you want. They're just going to tell him how to vote. I mean, do we really think that Tommy Tuberville is going to be introducing. Just a ton of bills. I hope he does. <laughs> I hope he does at least one. <laughs> and he'll call it the wheel route. Oh, me. Uh, In, uh, as an ode to the late, great Alex Trebek, these three branches of the government make up our 
whatever system. Uh, what are the House, the Senate, and the Executive? Uh, no. No. That is incorrect. That's incorrect, Mr. Connery. You receive no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Oh, man. Uh, Old yeah. Tommy. Old Pine Box Tommy. Good to be with you this afternoon. Hey, Dad, what's up? What are you going to do much? this weekend? I don't know. Yeah? Don't really have any Don't really have any plans. So. Well, I mean, you would That's, have been working, but we've known for a while now that that was not going to. Does it not feel yeah. like an eternity ago when Mississippi State-Auburn was uh, postponed? Yeah, so much has happened since then. Was that really just Monday? It's it's just like anything else in this cursed year that it feel everything feels like it was so far. I mean, March was seven months ago, but March might as well have been in you know nineteen ninety six at this point. Yeah, it feels that long ago. I believe we are at fifteen games that have been either postponed or canceled this weekend. Here they are: ULM, Arkansas State postponed; Utah, UCLA announced today, canceled. Cal, Arizona State announced today, canceled. Although. There's been some discussion. I don't know how realistic this is, but some discussion in the Pac-12 about the possibility of UCLA and Cal playing each other. I mean, you just say, hey, yeah, zero prep time. You just do you. Like you, you hear coaches sometimes say, ah, we're not going to worry about the opponent. We're just going to worry about us. You just go out and play your style and preparation. Ah, who needs that? It's kind of like going into high school games. So for us in South Carolina, you had to give your opponent. And so we played 4A, which was the the highest there at the time. They've since expanded it. But we played in what was called the Big 16. And so we had the opportunity to have like people film our games. And it was pretty sure. professionally done. You had to give your opponent three games of your choosing to study on film. So the last few games of the year, we had coaches like going through to see what we gave in some games and others and handpicking what games you sent your opponent for them to watch film on you. And going into those games, you kind of felt blind. You were like, I mean, we saw the first three games of the season. They played six cents. We have no idea what they're going to do to us. This is that on steroids. I mean, you yeah. have not... you. You haven't even prepared yourself to run your offense against what you think they might be doing defensively based on last season. This is crazy. I don't hate the idea, though. Just be like, hey, sorry, it's a weird year. Just go out and play ball. It'd be different if one team had days and the other did not. Since they're both in the same boat, you know? Yeah, just just let it fly. Um, I don't know. It's hard for me to believe that really that's going to happen, but uh, there has been a little bit of talk about that. Air Force Wyoming canceled. Pittsburgh Georgia Tech postponed. Memphis Navy, we've known that for most of the week, postponed. Got the announcement yesterday, Rice, Louisiana Tech postponed. Same thing for North Texas UAB. Gardner-Webb in Charlotte has been canceled. I saw somebody say earlier today uh, that by their count, this was five games this year that had been affected uh, on Charlotte's schedule, and they have still managed to play five games. Auburn and Mississippi State postponed. Coastal Carolina-Troy postponed. Georgia-Missouri postponed. Texas A&M-Tennessee postponed. Ohio State, Maryland canceled. Alabama, LSU postponed. So that's a bunch. And I guess it is probably a larger number. I mean, we've talked earlier throughout the week that, you know, 15 to 20% is kind of the number, uh, the rolling average that we've had in terms of games that have been postponed, canceled, or affected by COVID 19. It may be elevated a little bit, but still, it's not a massive number. 
because you've got more teams that were attempting to play games. I mean, it still is in that, you know, it may be a little more than 20%. What if we've got 15 games postponed and there were 60 that were scheduled? Is that's what, 24, 25%, something like that? So it's not terribly out of line, but it is disappointing. And it feels like a bigger deal because of the caliber of games that have been postponed. And like you said yesterday, that's the difference. That's why this weekend feels different, because it's Alabama, LSU, it's Ohio State. That's why it feels different. I agree with that. I think we'll have to dive into this a little deeper. I don't know how much time we've really... Well, I know how much time. We don't have enough time to really get into this, but the SEC made an announcement today. Two hours and 40 minutes, Richard. Well, I mean before a break. Hey, Dad. Like, we've got, you know, a minute and 45 seconds... This announcement came from the SEC, and this could really change things over the uh, the next few weeks. Uh, first of all, December 19th is going to be utilized as a playing date for football games rescheduled during this year due to the impact of COVID-19. And the league has established parameters that will allow for the adjustment of game opponents as late as five days prior to competition. As of today, all games planned for November 21st will be played as scheduled. So that is a week from tomorrow. All games currently scheduled to be played after November 21st are subject to weekly evaluation in order to reschedule games that have been postponed during the season. Here's Greg Sankey's quote. It's been a goal of the SEC to play a complete football schedule provided we maintain a healthy environment for student-athletes and everyone around our football programs. The added flexibility of a December 19th playing date for teams that do not qualify for the SEC championship game and the ability to adjust opponents on five-day notification provide a greater opportunity for our schools to play a full schedule of games. You know that December 19th is the SEC championship game. That means likely... Most likely, Alabama and Florida will be occupied. The other 12 teams are probably going to be playing each other in some format also on that day. Does that bother you at all? Not even a little. No. It has to happen. I'm more curious about the way they've adjusted your ability to fill games on canceled weekends. Because they're restricting it, to, and we're up against a break, of course. Yeah. They're restricting yeah. it to teams that you have on the schedule. Well, the schedule is pretty short now. I, I'm surprised that they, and maybe it's just too chaotic, but I'm surprised that they are limiting your chance to play a game to just somebody that's already on your schedule. But since Missouri's not on Ole Miss's schedule, for example, why couldn't they play a game if their two the next weekend got canceled? I'm surprised they made that call, but I'm sure there's some sound reasoning to it. I just would like to know what it is. So the conference office may revise the weekly football schedule up to 9 Eastern, 8 Central on the Monday prior to Saturday games for the purpose of maximizing the number of games played. The games subject to rescheduling would only be those on a team's original schedule and against opponent that a team has not yet played. So you're not going to get any repeat games, and it's got to be somebody who was already on your schedule. Sports Talk Mississippi will be back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm. 
Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad, thank you for being with us on this Friday afternoon. Good to have you along for the ride. I was just trying to make this make sense on the schedule. So Ole Miss at Texas A&M next weekend. So the Rebels have played six, and they will have played seven games after tomorrow. If we assume for a second that we know by Monday night that Ole Miss cannot play Texas A&M next week because A&M is still in bad shape because of positive COVID tests, what would be the options going to, to possibly replace that game? Wouldn't your only options be Mississippi State, LSU? Yeah. Am I, re- am I reading that part of it right? That's how it reads to me, is that you can only replace games with ones that you have on your schedule. And I think the motivation behind that is to open up a space later on for your postponed game to avoid having to extend beyond the 19th of December. Basically flip-flopping games. I yeah. think that's what's going on here. Now it only work if Mississippi State can't play Georgia next weekend, and I don't know who LSU plays. I guess I think it's Arkansas. I could be wrong. So unless yeah. those games are canceled, it's it's sort of pointless. Unless we're missing something in this, that that maybe there's not enough clarity in that announcement. You know, if for example. But based on the way that that announcement from the SEC reads, that this doesn't work. But if, for example, Ole Miss couldn't play at Texas A&M and Tennessee couldn't play at Auburn, let's just say because Auburn wasn't able to go, then why couldn't Ole Miss and Tennessee play each other next weekend? It's a great. Seems question. like that would make sense. That I want, and you know, they'll never get it. I would love to hear an explanation for why not. What's stop? Why not? I mean, Ole Miss and Tennessee aren't going to the SEC championship, so you don't have to worry about the integrity of your competition. They get these guys got to get games in, and if you're canceling games because of a positive test or two, the teams that can play need to be able to play because it's not just you know you want to play ten games just so everybody can play ten. It's because you've got athletic departments that need money. They need games to happen, and so why would you? stop them from having the opportunity to get another one in if they could do it. And it won't affect anything when it comes to your championship. Yeah. I don't know. It all feels like a little bit of a moving target. In some ways, we've gotten to the point where the entire schedule feels like it's a shell game. And i got no problem with that. I mean, I mean, to me, that's you're just trying to figure out how to get games in. And there are people that would be like, Oh, all you care about is the money, and all you care about is play. Well, yeah, I mean, no, not entirely. But you got a bunch of players who have put in a lot of work and who have done their dead level best to stay healthy, to do the right things, to come back from COVID in a really, really weird year. And just going with the, well, all you're trying to do is make money argument, and we touched on this yesterday. Doesn't make sense to me. Because those young men, or young women, if you're talking about other sports as well, they've sacrificed a lot this year to make this season happen. And 
Some of them have done it because they think it's the right thing to do. Some of them have done it because they like being part of a team. Some of them have done it because they love football. Some of them have done it because they think they need to because they have a scholarship and they're paying to be. Whatever the reasons, they've sacrificed a lot. And I think you've got to do everything you can to give them the opportunity to play as many games as possible. And if you think that's disingenuous, I, I, I can't help you. I'm, I'm being real. I guarantee if you poll those guys in the Ole Miss football locker room, hey, you, you've gotten six games into the year. You're playing a little bit better. Do you want us to do everything we possibly can to get you four more games? to finish out this 10-game season, and maybe there's some sort of a postseason or maybe there's not whatever, or would you rather us just shut it down this point, at this point? Man, I, I, I bet you would be somewhere between 95 and 100% that say, heck, no, we don't want to shut it down. What would, what would be the point in what we've done since mid-July? What, what, what would be the point in having done all of this if we were just going to get half or three-quarters of the way through and say, ah, oh, you know what, it's kind of gotten hard, screw it. I think the league and the individual schools owe it to their players who've worked really hard and have sacrificed a lot to get this season in to do everything they can to finish the season or get as close as they possibly can. You want to be a part of the conversation? You can do so on the ceasefire text line six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. I've got some folks that are texting us about high school games that have been postponed or canceled. One of those is a six A game. Warren Central is going to advance to the second round of the playoffs. Tupelo finishes their season at six and five. Tupelo had, uh, I guess, the requisite number of positives slash contact tracing uh, that made them unable to play tonight, and so that game is not going to happen. And that is the case with some other games as well. We're going to get into that fully with Will East and Stephen Gagliano a little bit later uh, this afternoon. Uh, again, as I said, the ceasefire text line is open if you want to join the conversation uh, along those lines. Hey, we need to do this. We haven't looked at it yet. Masters leaderboard. lot going on at Augusta. And by the way, they've only got about an hour left to play. <laughs> yeah, but they've done it's some really nice catching up, though. I mean, So they'll have to play some tomorrow, but... Tomorrow and Sunday won't be affected. That's great. Yeah, yeah. And the forecast has just turned into glorious. I mean, it's 78 degrees and sunny with a little breeze out of the north at Augusta. I mean, that is absolutely spectacular. Currently, tied atop the leaderboard, Abraham Anser, nine under par. On the heels of shooting 68 yesterday, he followed it up with a 67. That's a pretty good play. Cameron Smith is nine under. 67-68 for his first two rounds. Dustin, uh, Justin Thomas, 9-under. Shot 3-under today. He's gone 66-69 in his first two rounds. Dustin Johnson, 9-under in the clubhouse. Both rounds complete. 65, followed by a 70. Then you got two guys at 8-under par. Patrick Cantlay, who shot a 6-under 66 today. He's at 8-under. Sung J.M., Good playing, finishing his round from yesterday with a 66, following it up with a 70. He's at 8 under par. I'm done. I'm I'm completely done laughing at 
picking apart, poking fun at Brian Haydad for any pick that he makes with regard to the Masters. Masters. You're about to say just the Masters. On the Masters. Danny Willett won the tournament in 2016. He's missed the last three cuts. He's currently two shots off the lead after going 71-66. Nice you don't pick, win the hey, Masters and You don't win the Masters and then miss four cuts in a row. Doesn't happen. Tommy Fleetwood's at 7-under. Justin Rose is at 7-under. C.T. Pan is on the golf course at 7-under. Paul Casey is at 7-under after shooting 65 yesterday, even on his round. Sebastian Munoz and Dylan Fratelli both at 6-under, as is Louis Oosthuizen. Fratelli kind of had the wheels come off and was just able to kind of stabilize it and keep it on the road at the end of his round today, finished uh, shooting 63. Phil Mickelson, 69-70. He's 5-under. Looking to see any of these others that are done. Ricky Fowler's played well for two days. He's shot a pair of 70s. He's four under. So is Billy Horschel. This leaderboard is fantastic. Yeah, Brooks recovered nicely today, too. Uh, he was in deep trouble. Uh, when he hit Amen Corner, you thought he, he wasn't going to make the cut today. You're right. Brooks Kepka is five under par for the tournament. Yay. Ends up shooting a, uh, a 69 today. Tiger Woods, by the way, on the course after shooting 68 yesterday, which was his best opening round at the Masters ever, is even. A little bit of a roller coaster. Birdied two, bogeyed three when he had a birdie putt from 13 feet. Left it short, had a foot and a half tap in, ball lipped out, rolled seven feet past. He made the bogey putt coming back. He has since uh, bogeyed seven as well. So Tiger Woods currently at four under par. Actually, that would put him at three, wouldn't it? He just carded another bogey. I he's think maybe under the par. scoreboard. Yeah. yeah, scoreboard just is not updated that I'm looking at yet. So he's three under for the uh, tournament. This is a rocking good leaderboard, no question. Sports Talk Mississippi, more coming up. Luke Johnson will join us next, co-host of the Eagle Hour on Super Talk Hattiesburg and Super Talk Laurel. He'll jump on the Farm Bureau phone line in just a few minutes. I'm wondering if um, I'm wondering if Bryson DeChambeau qualifies as like a slowly happening car wreck today, like one where you just like it creates rubbernecking and everybody slows down as they drive by it because you just can't help but look. This is his scorecard today. He's played nine holes and has made two pars. Bryson goes bogey, birdie, triple, bogey, bogey, birdie, bogey, birdie, par. And he had an eagle putt, like a makeable eagle putt on eight that he just missed. He's the content king. And he is currently outside the cut line, cut line currently projected at even par. He's got some gettable holes on the back, but he got absolutely, for lack of a better term, he got absolutely screwed on three. So he pulls his tee shot left just into the rough. And the rough at Augusta National is nothing. It's not like the U.S. Open where you can stick like a whole 24-ounce can down into the rough and not see the top. No, at Augusta yeah. National, it's a couple inches in its deepest. Just The ball just was gone. 
just gone. They couldn't. If find you've ever it. played golf, you've had that experience before. You just don't normally have that when you're a professional golfer, right? At Augusta, of all places, and so he had to go back and re-tee because just in the left rough, just couldn't find his ball. That was wild. That happens at the U.S. Open rarely, yep. not at Augusta National. Right. You're right. Uh, Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Luke Johnson, he is co-host of the Eagle Hour, Super Talk Hattiesburg, Super Talk Laurel. Luke, first of all, how you feeling, my man? It's been a rough couple of uh, a rough few days, hasn't it? Yeah, I was going to tell you all that I've been feeling like uh, the Shambo hit me in the head with a, a 300 club head speed swing, but yeah, thankful, man. It's been a lot better today. Uh, my wife and I tested positive late last week for COVID, and I'm telling y'all out there, people listening, you better listen to Doctor Dobbs. You may you may be blessed and be asymptomatic or not hit you, but man, it's uh, early part of this week. Last weekend, it got rough, guys, and uh, thankfully feeling better today. Able to walk outside and and uh, kind of just try to get my life back but man it's it's been a rough week but uh watch the masters today sure sure good uh medicine for me yeah i'm with you on that i i, I don't mean this any way other than you know you're my buddy so i can say this you kind of still sound like crap <laughs> <laughs> well if you would there may be parts of this phone call where i go i go dark for just two seconds because i'm hacking my lungs up but yeah it's uh it's one of those things, man. I, early in the week, I was running 103 fever, and uh, you, you get nauseous, and you lose your appetite, and um, you, you can't walk, you know, very very far. You just get tired and have to sit down. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there this, this is not just the, another quote case of the flu. So, people need to be smart. Continually to be smart. Love your neighbor, and you know, do what you need to do. But my wife, she had a little milder case, but. She gets a trooper of the week, man. She's a nurse anyway, but she's fighting COVID and taking care of me. So uh, it's uh, it's been an adventuresome week at the Johnson house. Well, uh, all kidding aside, I am glad that you're feeling uh, a little bit better. I, I know it's uh, knocked you back. You and I have texted a little bit, and uh, uh, feel bad for you. But uh, glad you're on the mend, and uh, hope you get back to 100% soon. Um, Southern Miss football, what's going on, man? <laughs> Oh, it's 2020. Yeah, it's uh, you know you you get a win last week, um, a win that you know you expected to get, but at the same time you don't take anything for granted. 2020 and everything's okay. And it's one of those things where uh, it, it seems like 2020 has been one of those years you take one step forward and you get kneecapped and crawl five steps back. And you know yesterday the news comes out Jack Abraham has opted out. Uh, for the rest of the season, and uh, there's kind of a you know little to unpack there. I uh, I guess one of the things that's kind of eye raising to Southern Miss fans is why make that announcement now, and why make that announcement on a Thursday? Um, Jack was supposed to play this week, and with that, with those assumptions, you people you know assume that he got the majority of the snaps because he didn't play last week, and you know when you make that announcement on a Thursday. Didn't give Trey Lowe any any time to get ready. Tate Watley's out again this week, and I think it's just kind of you know frustrating for Southern Miss fans, and I'm sure it's frustrating for other people too. To if you're going to make that announcement, you know, do it in the first part of the week. Um, but but it happens on a Thursday, and Trey Lowe will start for the Eagles Saturday. It's just kind of perplexing, and it's just 
another one of those 2020 Southern Miss football deals. So what was the rationale? Uh, was there information out there as to why Jack Abraham ultimately decided to, uh, to make this decision? And I guess secondarily, for, forgive me for asking two questions at once, does this mean his career as quarterback at Southern Miss is over? I mean, I would, I would think so. You know, when you say the word opt out, I mean, opt out is, is not like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting out. Opt out, or I'm just not going to play because, you know, I, I don't want to get hurt or whatever. I mean, opt out is like, see you guys later. I mean, that's the way that I take it. And the way that I, you know, we, we had a guy I played with, Mickey D'Angelo, and he's the OC now at Gulfport High School. He, he was forced to, to stop playing because of, he had concussions. And he went and played golf for Southern Miss. And, man, he, he missed hanging out with, with the football guys so much. He asked Coach Bauer if he could come back and just be like a student coach. So he quit the golf team, came back and played and, and was just with us. And we loved him for it. We understood he, he, he had to protect his body, but, man, he wanted to be with us. And that's just not the vibe that I'm getting right now. And I'm not here to throw Jack under the bus. I'm just saying – the vibe when, when you say you're opting out, like you're like you're walking away from the football team, and so for a senior quarterback to do that, you know, and that, that's just kind of what's again, it's the word I'll use is perplexing. So I don't I don't see a scenario where you know Jack Abraham comes back. I mean, I, I don't if you know it depends on how many guys in that locker room are still around next year. But you know, it's one thing if you want to protect your body, you know, that's fine. Well, then stick around and at least. You know, help in other ways to, to for the guys, but man, opt out means like you know the way that I interpret that is that you know you're gone, and so I just don't see a scenario where he comes back. Yeah. Um, how concerned, Luke, are you with the way this season has gone? With guys that have left the program, opted out, quit, changed their minds, however you want to describe it in addition to the fact that there have been three head coaches, that there are some cultural issues that are really going to have to be cleaned up, and there's almost just going to be like a start-from-scratch mantra with whoever ends up being the new head coach. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a given. I think that that's, that's the big thing is that whoever comes in is just going to say, hey, you're, you're in or you're out. And I think there's a right way to do that. I think there's a wrong way to do that. And so that I'm sure Jeremy McClain will be asking that question. I, I don't. I, what I was concerned about most, Richard, was the the more stones that fall in the negative category. You know how uh, how desirable is does this job become, or less desirable does it become? I still think there's great interest for the job, so I'm not concerned about that. I, what I'm most concerned about right now is how many. How much of quote you know the portal is going to come in? Like are are sharks circling the water right now? Or you know are, are there going to be are there going to be you know some of these skill guys you know like you know some of these receivers and stuff? Or are there going to is there going to be a desire to go somewhere else because of the uncertainty? And that's the difficult part of it is that Jeremy McLean's got to hire a guy, and you want a guy in sooner than later. But you're in the, literally you got six games left, so. How does all that work with everybody else in the country? You know, more than six games left. The, the biggest thing, though, is securing a coach because when you secure the coach, then you can you can get that message out and 
So hopefully you will you'll cut down the damage that the transfer portal will do. I still think there's going to be portal attrition uh, on this roster, and I think there's going to be some really good players that may not be around um, that are on the roster right now. It, it's just unfortunate. It it is not a perfect storm. I mean, it, we got another what storm forming in the Caribbean right now. I mean, this is it is the it is the craziest scenario of events that possibly have taken place. Our top five, I think, in a single season to any any program. I mean, I might be wrong on that. It's just trying to be objective about it. I don't really see anybody else having to go through what some of these guys have had to go through. Yeah. We'll get into this next week, Luke, when we've got time. But uh, as we continue to think about the new head coach, I mentioned this yesterday, and I know we've kind of thrown his name around as maybe a little bit of a wild card. I just wonder if Austin Davis's name is, uh, is gaining any traction or if it's moving uh, in that direction anymore. But with what you were saying a second ago, you want to get a guy in as quickly as you can, he's not going to be available for a while uh, until they get through the NFL season. So we'll talk more about that with you next week. Man, continued progress and feeling better for both you and your wife. Thanks, guys. I greatly appreciate it. Have a great weekend. That is Luke Johnson. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. I think I'm the one that's got to wear the L for last night and for yesterday's Pearl River Resort pick of the day. But uh, since Borky was on board, at least generally speaking, the um, the fade Borky thing is still rolling. Is, is this the guy that antagonizes you constantly? Yeah, it's bizarre. So I suck at my job. I suck at picks. But yet six days a week for 17 hours... This guy listens to me. It's amazing. I wish we had a name. Oh, we could I find know one. What kind of a, I just want to know what kind of supposed grown man uses that many emojis in a text. Uh, we could, that has a lot of emojis. We could find one because he uses... I, I literally... I have two teenage, almost teenage daughters, and they don't use that many emojis. <laughs> <laughs> Ever. The uh, the text with a whole bunch of emojis said 875 bucks in three days going opposite of Borky... Thank you, Michael, for your ineptitude. Titans straight up. Wrong. Colts double up the Titans in Nashville blowout. I think I'm the one that picked that game straight up, honestly. But, but. Whatever. Uh, fascinating game last night, though. Uh, kicking game in Nashville was brutal. Jeez. Just brutal. And it's not just limited to Gostkowski anymore. No. Apparently the... Um, the Gostkowski illness is rough, uh, rubbing off on the punter, who had a 17-yard punt, and then he had one blocked where he took like 14 steps before trying to get it off. There was an easy touchdown. And we we're night for we we're night for kickers in the world of football last night. I think it was the Boise State, Colorado State. Boise State returned three different block kicks for touchdowns. A yes, two field goals. <laughs> yep. I mean, what is going on? It's not even Halloween. No full moon. Just. It wasn't Friday. Kickers. Today's Friday the 13th. That was, when did Thursday the 12th become a problem? I don't know. Going to bed last night, I was lying down with Obi. He goes, tomorrow's the unlucky day. I was like, I don't believe in that crap. He said, well, next Friday's the lucky day. I said, really? He said, yeah, November 20th. That's, uh, that's lucky. I said, really? He's like, I just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, buddy. 
That's funny. Like, I don't know why it is, but it's I funny. I, I, that, it's funny. That hit me the exact same way, hey, Dad. I just kind of laughed. I was like, that's pretty funny, bud. You that's know, good. How, that's how, how the eight-year-old mind works. I said, how did you know tomorrow was Friday the 13th? I said, that's not unlucky. He said, Abe Montgomery said it was. <laughs> okay. So his sister was putting the uh, the voodoo on him before bed last night. Um. Mike in Oxford says that uh, punter was a FedEx driver less than a week ago. Well, I hope he just took a uh, some vacation days because he may be a FedEx driver again next week. I hope there's not like a serious backstory that I'm making light of. Or no, that, that that's real. The story about him is fascinating. He was not an NFL kicker a couple weeks ago. And again, probably not going to be a couple yeah. of weeks from now, is he? <laughs> That was an audition that did not go very well. Yeah. I told you about Philip Rivers' arm angle. I mean, I, I don't he know how... He still zips it, though, It's Borky. crazy. So the deep ball has obviously lost some of its juice because he's getting older and it's going to lose some of its juice. But that little three-quarter sidearm thing that he does, I don't know how it doesn't get batted down at the line of scrimmage every time he throws, but it doesn't, and it's still Crafty working. Crafty veteran. Seriously. He's so fun watch to watch. There's something about him. I don't. It, it, maybe the southern accent when he's changing things up at the line of scrimmage that you hear through your TV, or or the weird arm angle, or apparently he's the best crap talker in the NFL. Like, it's nonstop that Philip Rivers is constantly running his mouth on the field. Does he still wear the bowling? Yeah, he does. That's his thing with his 17 kids and counting. But is there another one on the way? There's at least nine. Did you see the? They they did a graphic. They put Philip Rivers, an animation of Philip Rivers, next to an animation of Aaron Rodgers, next to an animation of Patrick Mahomes, and the stat was number of children, and it was nine zero zero. That's just okay. There's your sabermetric stat they of the have night. Seven kids, not nine. Well, I, the I thought the graphic said nine. Maybe I'm over exaggerating that some, but yeah, really they had a big so, difference. Yeah, I mean, so, at that so, point. yeah, it's fair enough. So, together since seventh grade, married after their freshman years in college. Uh, yeah, I'm not read since. all these things. <laughs> but there, there are a few other factoids about them that I'll not read. One, two, three, four, five, six. Seven. No, that's eight. That's eight kids in that picture. One, two, three, four, five, six girls and two boys. I swear it said nine on the graphic. Either way, that was the graphic that they decided to go with on Thursday Night Football was comparing his amount of kids to Rodgers and Mahomes not having any. It looks like they're nine. There's another one, Borky. I keep seeing new pictures. <laughs> it was nine. Oh, well, Richard, come back next month and there will be ten. Let's Merry see. Christmas. Boy, girl, girl, boy, girl, 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 think that's a boy? Oh, my gosh. I think the baby's a boy. Man's a glutton for punishment. He should have signed with Cleveland. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Bruce Marshall joins us next. Odds on Philip Rivers having a 10th kid when we come back. <laughs> Back 
back with you. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Welcome to hour number two, the 4 o'clock hour on this Friday. Let's go straight to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Bruce Marshall joins us right now from the Gold Sheet, goldsheet.com. Kind of a weird week in terms of the college football landscape, Bruce. Yeah, that's uh, you can say that again, uh, Rich. I, I'm hearing now the Pac-12. They just canceled a couple more games today. And on the fly, apparently, they're making one of these up on Sunday morning. UCLA and Cal, I guess, are going to play at the Rose Bowl. Remember, it was UCLA supposed to play Utah this week, and that one's been uh, canceled. And then uh, Cal canceled again with uh, Arizona State with Herm Edwards coming down with the COVID. But they're on the fly, I guess, Cal and UCLA play on Saturday, and for a minute there, I thought the only uh, SEC game left might be Vanderbilt and Kentucky, uh, but uh, there's a couple more going on, but I guess CBS will be <clears throat> not televising anything tomorrow. Crazy week, but a crazy year. What's, uh, I guess that's par for the course. They'll be televising something. It's just not going to be college football. I, I think they'll get a lot of eyeballs on the Masters, maybe more so than they would yeah. have uh, otherwise. Yeah. So that the, the Cal-UCLA thing is going to happen? Apparently so. I know I was just doing the show with the Brett and uh, Dave Velocian up in uh, Memphis, and uh, that was like breaking news at the end of their show about 20 minutes ago, my segment with them. So I had heard they were thinking about that, but apparently that is a go now, at least from what Dave and Brett tell me. Well, interesting, uh, interesting stuff. I am curious from a handicapping standpoint, what in the world do you do with a game like that where neither team has really had time to prepare for the other? It's just, hey, it's Friday. Let's play Sunday. Go, boys. I know, like I say, I'm by game. Well, because it's UCLA, for me, it's an easy call. I'm just going against UCLA every week. I don't care who they're playing uh, this week, so I'll, I'll give Cal <laughs> a vote. But this was supposed to be a pretty good Cal team this year. You know, they had their first game postponed against Washington. And, uh, I mean, heck, they, I mean, the way they were going, they might have been 0-0 and still gotten a bowl bit this year. Uh, but uh, I, would, <laughs> I think Cal's still a team to watch, and uh, we'll see what goes Sunday. But, yeah, this is uh, unique to, be, uh, to, to say it mildly. So we do have three SEC games that are being played, and all three of them are double-digit point spreads. Let's start with one tomorrow night in Oxford. South Carolina is at Ole Miss. Ole Miss did not play last weekend. It was their first open date of the season. Last time we saw them, played pretty well at Vanderbilt. And and I keep putting the caveat on this. Yes, we know it's a bad Vanderbilt team, but Ole Miss did play well offensively, especially South Carolina just got boat raced at home last week against Texas A&M. Ole Miss a 12-point favorite in this game. Yeah, uh, in this Saturday's Jimmy Sexton game of the week, uh, Ole Miss and uh, South Carolina with a couple of his clients going. A couple of interesting stats here. I know Lane looks like he might be getting this thing in the right direction with the Rebels, but they are still only 4-16 and 16, what, straight up their last 20s at bought Hemingway against the SEC. So, uh, you know, this, this is going to be sort of a challenge in that regard. Uh, South Carolina, yeah, it has gone sideways on the Gamecocks here. They they can't really play from behind, and that was, I mean, the LSU game and last week against A&M, they fell too far behind. Colin Hill started to make some mistakes. The Colorado State transfer quarterback, Kalinsky, had to come in the game last week late. I'm not sure what Will's going to do tomorrow, but uh, I, I think this game's going to be a little slower pace because we know uh, Lane, I mean, Ole Miss isn't just throwing on every down. They run a lot. That's a pretty good offensive line. I think the game moves a little faster, and that total has me interested. 70.5 looks too high, Rich. I think this thing goes well under that. Ole Miss wins, maybe doesn't cover that double-digit price. Uh, 31-24 
uh, Rebels, so I do think they get the win. But uh, I'm thinking uh, maybe under the total might be the best call there. Hmm. 31-24, so that would certainly be inside the 12-point spread, but pretty comfortably under the 70 or 70-and-a-half, depending on where you look. Arkansas-Florida is interesting. Um, Florida really impressive in the first half last week against Georgia. They kind of shut it down offensively in the second half. Some of that was because Kyle Pitts is uh, is not on the field. Doesn't look like he's going to be playing this week. Florida's a 17-and-a-half-point favorite. We saw the backdoor cover a couple of weeks ago with Arkansas against Texas A&M. We saw them score, what, 24 unanswered last week after falling behind early against Tennessee. Arkansas just competitive every time they step on the field. What do we do here? I think we keep going with them, Rich. Uh, they've covered every single point spread this year. Um, and even though Sam Pittman probably won't be there tomorrow, he has got the COVID too, but uh, yep. it's not. I think he's asymptomatic, but uh, Barry Odom, I guess, will be the interim tomorrow. And uh, this is why you get a couple you know, top-flight coordinators. Barry's been a head coach, and he had coached against Florida the last several years too with Mizzou. So um, I, I think we'll give uh, Arkansas – I don't think things will change much um, tomorrow. A couple other notes. Felipe Franks, here he is against his old team, moved from Gainesville to Fayetteville. He has picked up uh, – he's doing what Kendall Bryles wants him to do with that offense, meaning no mistakes. He's only had one pick since the opening game against Georgia. So he has picked up this offense. They're pretty much full throttle with it now. And you mentioned no Kyle Pitts the other way. Yeah, Trask is putting up some big numbers. It is off of the cocktail party, which is a an enthralling win. So this is a potential letdown spot, and uh, I think uh, you could take Arkansas plus until they don't cover a point spread. Twenty nine seventeen, Florida wins it. Maybe doesn't cover it. Letdown spot. Franks against his old team. Arkansas covering every game adds up to a vote for the Razorbacks. All right, so the Razorbacks plus the 17-and-a-half, and then in an ode to point totals from 1996, 98, something like that, the total in Vanderbilt and Kentucky is 42. That sounds like an NFL point total when bad teams are getting together, not an SEC football point total, but alas, this is where we find ourselves. Vanderbilt 0-5, had a chance last week against Mississippi State, covered the big number. Uh, Kentucky has struggled offensively. Kentucky's also got the added emotional aspect of John Charlman, the offensive line coach who uh, passed away earlier this week. I have no idea how that factors into this conversation. Bruce, is this a game where you just stay away, or is there some uh, a feeling you got you know strong feeling one way or the other? Well, I had a pretty strong feeling in this game. The unfortunate news was Shawman, who had been ill for quite a while, and right. we know that hurt the team. Uh, sometimes you do see teams dedicate uh, big efforts after situations like that, so something else to think about here. That 42 you mentioned, these teams don't get there unless Kentucky converts a couple of pick sixes, which it could possibly do with Ken Seals throwing interceptions, but this is a bad offense. Um, there is no way Kentucky should be laying 17 of anybody right now. And this is all my only worry, uh, as opposed to that Mississippi State game last week, is that Kentucky's defense is more liable to score touchdowns, I think, than Mississippi State. But Vanderbilt's getting a little better. Um, they outgained Mississippi State about 2 1 last week. I don't think it matters who's at quarterback for Kentucky. We talk about, you know, Wilson, yeah, he, two years ago they won 10 games with them. Well, they had Benny Snell two years ago, and they were doing some direct snaps to Benny in 2018. Last year, Bowden was doing everything Benny did two years ago. So this year, they don't have either of them. It's Wilson or it's Gatewood, who really looks mechanical out there. And he, now you know why he didn't cut it at Auburn. He just doesn't look that good. Vandy stays within this number unless Ken Seals throws a couple of pick sixes. 
20 to 13, Kentucky, our score forecast. So we're still going under that 42. And mm. two weeks in a row voting for Vanderbilt. Bite my tongue, but uh, that's what I see. Yeah, you said last week uh, you're never gonna never gonna say that again, and now here we are two weeks in a row. You're right back on that train. It's 2020. Strange things happening this year. Indeed. Hey, I do want to ask you about one West Coast game: Oregon at Washington State. Oregon ten and a half point favorite in that ball game. Both teams won their openers. Uh, there's no question that Oregon is the the more talented team here. Is that too big of a number in Pullman, where it looks like it's going to be cold tomorrow night? Or are we good with that? I'm glad you asked me about that one, Rich. Yes, I think it's too many points. How about this for a trend for uh, your radio listeners? Ten straight years, Washington State has covered the game against Oregon. That covers the end of the Wolves regime there and all eight years with Mike Leach. They've beaten the Ducks for the last five. Nick Rolovich coming in from Hawaii, I don't think this is any downgrade from Leach at all. He had a joker in his card deck. This new quarterback, Jaden DeLara, looked really good last week, and he's mobile, and Oregon State could not figure out what to do with him. And Oregon caught some breaks last week. Stanford's quarterback pulled out right before the game. Stanford missed, what, four or five field goals in that game. Very misleading 35-14 scoreline. This is a game Washington State has a shot to win. So if you're down on the Gulf Coast and you can play a money line on Washington State, maybe throw one of those in there, too. But definitely plus the 11 points. Take the Cougars tomorrow. In fact, we picked them out right 30 27 over the Phil Knights tomorrow night. Wow. I mean, you, you hey. just blew me away on that one, Bruce. I, I would have thought you were completely going the other way. Watch this Washington State team. I think they might be sneaky good. Rolovich is very clever. Anything else out there that you really like going into this weekend? Arizona. Uh, I guess that this is one they didn't cancel yet in the Pac 12. Um, against Southern Cal. I listen to these USC people thinking their national title hopes are still alive because they rallied back to beat Arizona State last week. Oh, please. Um, USC's not that good. <laughs> the defense ain't that great. They were fortunate to beat Arizona State, a middling team last week. Uh, listen, Arizona had some problems last year. Kevin Sumlin's under the gun. But I think they might be better off now that uh, Gunnell, the quarterback sophomore, will be taking all the snaps. He can really throw it. USC is not going to have an easy time against anybody in the Pac-12 this year. So you're getting 14 with Arizona at home. I don't know if any. I think they're letting a few thousand people in in Tucson. But USC just not that good to lay that many points in the road. Take Arizona. All right. Good picks. Bruce, really appreciate your time. Enjoy the weekend. Stay healthy. Thanks. Thanks, Rich. You too. That is Bruce Marshall. You can get his picks at the Gold Sheet, goldsheet.com, Don Best. And you can follow Bruce on Twitter at Bruce A. Marshall. Always enjoy our chats with Bruce. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Borky, you played golf growing up. Do you remember those summertime while you were in high school, summers during college, rounds of golf? where you were the last group on the course or the next-to-last group on the course, and it really was too dark to still be playing, but you and the guys you were playing with agreed to squeeze one more in. Do you remember a few of those? Oh, yeah, and and then you pull up to the clubhouse and the cart boys are sitting there pissed off because you were the the only reason they're not on their way home. Why? Yeah. Yeah. The, the 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 whole tee shot where you have absolutely no idea. You can follow it for about 
50 yards and you lose it and everybody just gets real quiet and turns their head sideways just to listen. Yeah. <laughs> well, it didn't hit anything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I hit that one good. Yeah, we're good. We're good. We're good. And it's not quite what they're dealing with at Augusta right now, but they're really close. And I, I think television probably makes it look a little bit lighter than it actually is. They're about to shut it down with uh, some folks still on the course, but great scores. Great scores. First round scoring record of 71.4. At one point earlier today, they were at like 70.9. I'm not sure where that is as they uh, are kind of wrapping up this round, but some of the lowest scores you've ever seen uh, at this golf tournament still. Abraham Answer, Cameron Smith, Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, all at nine under par, all in the clubhouse with their second rounds complete. Patrick Cantlay shot a 66 today. He is eight under par. Sung J M shot a 70 today. He is eight under par. John Rahm is eight under, five under on his round today through 12. You got Danny Willett and Tommy Fleetwood both at seven under. Justin Rose is at seven under. CT Pan at seven under, under still on the course. Same thing for Hideki Matsuyama. Had a boy, hey Dad. And uh, Ustay's in seven under on the course. And just a Phil shot 70 today. He's at 5-under. Kepka kind of got it back going. He's at 5-under. The Augusta native, stop me if you've heard that before, Charles Hell third is 4-under today, 5-under for the tournament. Uh, Ricky Fowler at 4-under. Tiger Woods at 4-under. It, it, this is fantastic. It's ex- Absolutely fantastic. It is exactly what we needed. And now that college football has kind of lost some of its luster this weekend, we get this to fill the void. That's pretty special. And on top of that, you've got college game day from Augusta tomorrow. They're doing it for you. The, the set looks fantastic. That is, and especially now because, look, if Alabama and LSU and Ohio State and, and some of these games were still on, knowing what they're going to do, which is it's not going to be a 100% college football show, and not at all, that would have... I mean, I still would have liked it, but, you know, you are college game day. Now that some of these games have been canceled, I won't mind at all if they spend time talking about football's connection to golf, Steve Spurrier, I don't know. They'll, you know Tom Rinaldi. He'll make you cry over a lost ball. But uh, tying those two <laughs> in together this weekend, I think will be nice now especially. I may yeah. have missed it, but, but who, who who is the guest picker? It's Justin Thomas, right? I have not seen it announced. Did I completely shame, make that a shame up? That, a I, shame they couldn't get Vern to do it. I have no idea, Borky. I, I, I was, may have just completely made that up. I think he will be involved somehow, though, because they Jonathan Papelbon. <laughs> Give him some whiskey and a cigar, and he'll be in. <laughs> he'll, be, he'll be in. He's in right and now. And a cowbell. He's, he's over at Hooters with Daly. Uh, <laughs> Thomas was talking crap earlier in the week. Uh, Quinn, if you're listening, he took a shot at LSU. They asked, uh, a reporter asked him, you know, what's it like for you being a a big of a football fan as you are and a graduate of Alabama when Alabama and LSU are playing Saturday? And not only do you have a round Saturday, but you're going to have to wake up Sunday morning and play. Does that alter your routine any? And he said, no, not really. We're going to beat them by 70 anyway, so it doesn't really matter. I mean, I, I I don't know that he would would have been wrong. Um, I follow. You, you know what I'd like to have for my bookshelf? 
I would like to have one of those white football helmets that has oh, the Masters yeah. logo on the side of it with the strip down the middle that says Titleist. And I don't even know that I need the Titleist strip down the middle. I might just do like a green strip down the middle, in the middle of the helmet, front to back. That white football helmet with the Masters logo sticker on the side would be, I mean, you want to talk about a, a great bookshelf piece? That is it. Wow. It's so cool. We've got our, our guy that listens to the show that does the uh, the stencils for uh, NFL and Major League Baseball for the field paint. I wonder if they could make a custom helmet for you. Mm. Or at least a sticker to go on the helmet. Yeah. I mean, if they're doing field stencils, certainly they could they could rig up a, a paint job for that helmet, right? You would, I mean, you could buy like a white football helmet with a green face mask and then get the decals to go on it. I might have to think about that. That might be worth having. Might have to think about uh, that somewhere down the line. These guys care a lot about it, though. Um, So I was following um, Bill Haas and and Lucas Glover at the Sanderson two years ago, because it couldn't go this year, obviously. The whole time, both of them are asking people following them what the scores are. I mean, the whole time, just keeping up with uh, Haas went to Wake Forest and Glover Clemson, but they were asking about every game. Like... Every two holes, it was like, hey, you, read, what are the scores? Tell me. The whole round. That's pretty cool. Craig cracked so, me up was, every time. Were you one of the guys that gave them score updates? Yeah, they asked me once. Uh, but, they, I mean, there was uh, one, like, he was probably 12 or 13, uh, who had his phone the entire time looking at games, so they kept asking him, which uh, he, he loved that. It was the greatest day of his life, the golfers asking him the scores. But, I mean, they're out here. This is what they're doing for a living, playing golf. They're in a tournament. It was the Saturday round, and all they care about is who's beating who in college football. Because Augusta has the ability to pull off anything at any time, what if they had decided to light the golf course? Knew that the days were going to get shorter? And just decided to roll this right on into prime time. (laughs) (laughs) And you would never see the lights. They would disguise all of them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, obviously, that's stretching it a little bit. That's not really the look I think that uh, the membership at Augusta National is going for. But it would be pretty darn cool. Membership doesn't even let them go lift clean in place. I was watching uh, live from the Masters, I think it was two nights ago, and they asked about that. Hey, you know, it's going to be raining They've never done it before. Do you think they would consider lift clean in place? And the response was, no. The membership will not at all allow that to happen. It's not happening. Next question. Lift clean and cheat. Here it is officially. Just hours after the Pac-12 canceled separate games involving California and UCLA, the conference announced the teams will play each other Sunday at the Rose Bowl. The scheduling of this game is consistent with the conference's commitment to provide opportunities for student-athletes through maximum scheduling flexibility while still prioritizing health and safety. Kickoff set for noon Eastern, game televised on FS1. Cal was originally scheduled to play Arizona State. UCLA was supposed to host Utah. Those games were canceled due to positive COVID-19 and related contact tracing for the other two teams. UCLA Athletic Director Martin uh, Jarman said, first and foremost, I want to commend our football student-athletes on their flexibility and focus in the midst of a lot of uh, uncertainty. 
I'd also like to thank, thank Jim Knowlton, Justin Wilcox, and the Cal football programs, as well as the Pac-12, for working diligently with us to find a way to compete this weekend. It's an unconventional solution in an unconventional year, and we're excited to host the Bears at the Rose Bowl on Sunday. That's awesome. I think that's really, really cool that that is what they have decided to do. Instead of just going, no, it's canceled, you can't do it. Let's just move it around and play. Is it ideal? Of course not. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. You cut down on preparation time? Of course. By the way, neither Justin Wilcox nor um, Chip Kelly will sleep between now and Sunday at lunchtime. Feel bad for their film watching and note taking interns, too. There are a bunch of people that are not going to sleep for the next 48 hours. I still, though, say good for them. Be flexible. All you got to do is reroute a charter plane. You got all your protocols in place. I would think Cal would be jumping up and down. You heard what Bruce said a second ago. Whoever UCLA's playing, we're taking them because they're terrible. That's cool. College football on a Sunday afternoon. I'm digging it. It's more Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Let's talk some high school ball coming up next. Playoffs. Playoffs start tonight or continue tonight. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Haydad, Friday afternoon. Thanks for being with us. Time for us to talk a little high school football. Will East and Stephen Gagliano join us right now when we finish up with Sports Talk Mississippi at 6 o'clock. The high school football preview show will come your way. It is a playoffs edition of the preview show. And then later this evening from 10 until 11.30, the Mississippi Farm Bureau Insurance Company's High School Scoreboard Show full wrap-up of games. All right, guys, let's start with St. Aloysius. Hey, Dad wants us to dive in and uh, begin there, and uh, and then we'll go to hoops? the rest of the games. We're talking hoops here? What's going yeah. on? Their run came to an end, unfortunately, in the first round. It was a heroic run yes. to the first round of the playoffs, but uh, but sadly... The Flash's season ended in a flash in the playoffs. They are doing really well at taking inventory, though. The inventory <laughs> list is going excellent. Hey, shout out Jeez. to Michael Harris. Had a couple of catches last night for the uh, for the Colts on that win. That's right. There you go. All right, guys, let's uh, let's kind of do the negative part of this first, and then we'll get into the the fun part, which is talking about the games. We've got uh, several games across the state of Mississippi. Uh, that have been announced as forfeits, meaning one team will advance, the other team's season is done because of COVID. We know for sure, or at least I know for sure, Tupelo made that announcement earlier today. They were having to forfeit their game earlier this week. We got the announcement uh, from Lafayette that they were having to forfeit their game as well. Are there others? No. Well, like you said there, that Tupelo-Warren Central game, that was the most recent one that came across, and that was the first 6A game to be affected 
So now Warren Central moves on as a result of Tupelo having to forfeit. Quick note about Warren Central. Do not schedule Warren Central on the road because that game will not happen. They have played zero road games this year, and they will play zero road games so far because they're advancing to the next round automatically. And I imagine that game is going to be at Vicksburg. They'll face the winner of the Horn uh, Lake-Clinton game. Correct. Gotcha. And then were there other uh, forfeitures that we need to touch on? Yes, unfortunately there are a lot of them. So in 5A you had Pascagoula and Brookhaven get canceled with Pascagoula moving on. You mentioned Lafayette and Neshoba Central. Uh, We've got Itawamba, AHS, and Clarksdale down in 4A along with Macomb and Mendenhall. And then Lawrence County versus Summerall. So Mendenhall versus Summerall next week, that's one of two matchups that you can already schedule due to Mm. the number of cancellations this week. Down in 2A, you've got Scott Central and Bogachita with Scott Central moving on. And then down in 1A, McAdams versus Lumberton canceled and Stringer versus Coffeyville. So that means Stringer and Lumberton will play next week. All right. Good deal. So those are the uh, the cancellations leading to forfeits, leading to second-round matchups, or at least part of a second-round matchup, uh, or I guess in some cases a, a third-round matchup being set. Um, all right, let's just work our way through. 6A, uh, Madison Central at Oxford. Madison Central 8-3 and three on the year. Oxford still undefeated. Uh, they are the one seed, Madison Central the uh, the four seed. We talked briefly earlier this week uh, with Anthony Hart, the head coach at uh, Madison Central. He certainly said the coach speak things that you would expect. Big game, talented team, excited to play, etc. Yeah, uh, this is going to be... Uh, you know, a good offense versus good defense, uh, in my opinion. Oxford is so balanced. Uh, they're just incredible how balanced they are. Uh, their passing yards and rushing yards, last time I looked, were almost dead even. Uh, they have two running backs. They're dead even in yardage. They have two quarterbacks. They're dead even in yardage, last time I looked. So, very balanced team. Oxford did an incredible job of replacing basically the entire. 2019 championship team. Uh, Madison Central, meanwhile, very good defense. They've only allowed, I think, one opponent to go over 14 points this season. Very good defense. So, uh, very good offense versus good defense. Uh, Madison Central could have been the number one seed had Clinton lost that game against Starkville last week. So, this, this lineup in 6A and 5A especially is one of the best playoff lineups that we've seen in the first round I, that I've ever seen. Uh, Richard, uh, because you had so many upsets this year, you've had so many unexpected teams do uh, do well that you know we're we're not expecting, and you've got just a talented roster of games uh, from beginning to end, and I think this is probably the best one of the bunch. And we talked last week about the uncomfortable position of South Panola having to sit and wait on results to find out if they were going to be a playoff team. Or if they were done for the year, and now we look up, and guess what? South Panola is in the playoffs, and they are hosting Hernando tonight. Yeah, and they didn't have to wait too long to really figure out that they were going to be in the playoffs. One of the the results from last week that really just stunned me was the way that Clinton beat Starkville. And coming into the night, we could have made a case that Clinton would win the game, but to win 35-7 and to really just blow out Starkville, that was incredible. And so, yes, now South Panola finds themselves hosting a playoff game and not just, you know, after kind of sneaking into the playoffs. So that should be And Starkville's really out. That's right. No Starkville. Coming into the season, you know, they were the odds-on favorite in 6A, in my opinion, and for them to just completely miss the playoffs is baffling to me. 
So a red-hot Clinton team is hosting Horn Lake. We mentioned Warren Central winning by forfeit over Tupelo. Let's go to the southern part of the state, Oak Grove and Biloxi. Oak Grove sitting there undefeated at 9-0. and And then if you go a little farther south, you've got Iberville also at 9-0 and hosting Pedal tonight. I thought Pedal was going to be the sleeper in 6A this season, and there's been some other teams that kind of filled that filled that um, that role a little bit better than Pedal. But Pedal hasn't been bad. Uh, but Diaberville has just been so good this season that the, uh, Justin Wally, I think he's the Mister Football in yes. uh, 6A, uh, just an incredible offense this year. That's one that I'm looking forward to. But the one on that I'm really looking forward to is Ocean Springs and Northwest Rankin. These are two of the biggest surprises this season. Nobody had Ocean Springs doing very well this year. They got a new coach, basically a new team from last year that wasn't that great last year. And then Northwest Rankin, they started off the season one of their coaches passed away unexpectedly. Nobody was expecting Northwest Rankin to do anything. They started off the season with that loss to Madison Central and basically got written off. And then here they are. They've got a two-seed in Region 3 a very good team Northwest Rankin is this year. How does that one shake out? I mean, not, not that we're in the prediction business, but based on what you've seen from these two teams, super competitive game? I think so. I, Ocean Springs is uh, – they have two losses on the season. One of those losses was to Diaberville. The other loss was to Harrison Central by a combined nine points. So I think Ocean Springs is one of the better teams. Northwest Rankin, meanwhile, has not been as consistent as Ocean Springs has this season, uh, but they have risen to the occasion when they had to. The the one head-scratcher that they had this season was that game against Brandon a couple of weeks ago. But other than that, Northwest Rankin's been very consistent. 6A, 5A, and 1A in the first round of the playoffs. 2A, 3A, 4A all getting into the second round tonight. Let's look at some of these games in 5A. I'm just going to ask you guys, what, what stands out for you in 5A? What, what, are, you, what are you locked in on? Uh, Picayune West Jones. Yeah, I, I think that's got to be the game of the night in 5A. You've got a Picayune team that, you know, maybe after last year and they had a historically great offense, you didn't think that they'd be back in this position. But here they are. Now they're going against a West Jones team led by quarterback Alan Fallis, who's been just rock steady all season long. And I think that's going to be a great it, game. And you normally don't see these type of games in the first round. I was telling Stephen earlier, you know, normally in the first round you have a bunch of one versus four seed games. Right. And they're you know, historically they're not that entertaining. I mean it's even it's rare for a four seed to beat a one seed. This year, though, because we had so many upsets, so many teams that did uh, better than expected, we have games from top to bottom that are loaded. You normally don't see a game like West Jones picking two of the top five teams in 5A meet in the first round. That normally doesn't happen. And they've these two teams have actually met in the South State title game the last two years. So that's the yep. evidence to that fact right there is we usually have to wait until later in the playoffs to see these matchups, and we get it in week one of the playoffs. Could East Central at Laurel be fun? A couple of eight-win teams there? Yeah, Laurel started off the season 0-3, and everybody wrote them off. Xavier Evans was hurt, and you know it, they're 0-3. They're going to be the one team out of Region 3 that doesn't make the playoffs because there's only five teams competing this year in Region 3 of 5A. Uh, well, they ended up being a number one seed. They beat West Jones uh, a couple weeks ago. They're a very good team. East Central, meanwhile, has been kind of in Picayune's shadow the past couple of seasons. 
Um, the head coach there, whose name escapes me, his father-in-law was Dodd Lee, or is Dodd Lee. Uh, so he was kind of in the shadow of his father-in-law. And now they have the opportunity to kind of, I think, leapfrog Picayune in some ways. Picayune's still a very good team. They've lost two games in a row now. But um, I think East Central is one of those teams that when they have everything rolling and they can do it occasionally. They have one of the best offenses in the state, and they sometimes have one of the better defenses in 5A South. The games tonight in 1A West Lounge at Biggersville. Biggersville is undefeated. Ashland is at Tupelo. Christian Myrtle at Ninawaya, who is 9-0 on the year. French Camp is at Baldwin. Resurrection heads to Simmons. Ethel is at Sebastopol. And uh, you got McAdams at Lumberton and Stringer at Coffeyville. Uh, wait, is that one of the ones you, you mentioned a second? Is that one of the ones that was postponed? Yes, or the, the last two that you mentioned were the ones that were canceled. Gotcha. All right, we'll look at second round matchups. 4A, 3A, 2A when we come back and continue with Will and Gag. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Friday. Don't forget the C Spire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. Be honest, you know your business deserves better, so get better with the C Spire business internet and phone bundle backed by real support. See how C Spire can power your success today at cspire.com slash business. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, also Will East and Stephen Gagliano as we talk some high school football Kind of walked our way through the uh, 6A, 5A, and 1A playoff first-round matchups. Let's slide down to 4A, 3A, 2A. And, guys, I guess more than anything, I should just get out of the way and let you carry us uh, through this. Let's start with 4A. What stands out? What's the best game of the night? I think the one with revenge is the factor, and that's uh, South Pike and Poplarville. You see, last year South Pike had a really good team. They made it to the second round of the playoffs where they got beat by Poplarville, who would go on to, I think, this, the state championship game. Uh, in 2018, South Pike had a really good football team, and they made it to the second round where they got beat by Poplarville. Mm. And Poplarville went on to the state championship game. I don't know if it's going to happen in 2020, but I think revenge could be a little bit of a factor here. South Pike is trying to get past Poplarville, who, if you know anything about you know Poplarville football they're historically one of the better teams down there uh so i think that one's going to be one of the what you've also got in, oh, go ahead Richard. no no gags i was just going to say in, in 4a you've got newton county as the only 10 win team mm-hmm. you've got lewisville Pontotoc, and clarksdale all as nine win teams in this playoff field do we definitively know who the best team is in 4a 4a is kind of a Kind of unknown this season as far as a top team. You know, Louisville, you can always kind of pencil in there. Corinth is, they don't seem to be as good as they were last year when they were incredible and won the state championship. Right. Uh, Poplarville really struggled early on. I think they had three losses in a row or something like that, but they, they were playing a tough schedule. They were playing Picayune. They were playing some really good teams. They were playing some 6A schools. So, I would say those three teams uh, are still the ones to beat. Uh, Newton County, to me, is still a little bit of an unknown. I, I don't know a lot about them. so I, I know I, they've got a great defense. Only giving up about seven points per yeah. game 
And then Ooh. North Pike only giving up a little over 11. So that game tonight I think is going to be mm-hmm. a really low-scoring game, but kind of a Take the under drag out. Exactly. <laughs> it should be a, a quick-moving game, too. Uh, anything else that stands out, Gags, in 4A? Uh, not in 4A. Dropping down to 3A, though, I will say okay. third-seeded Columbia versus Hazelhurst, who's a one-seed. Last week I mentioned Columbia as a team that – had some COVID issues in the middle of the regular season, and if not for that, they probably could have ended up as a number one seed. They were able to upset Velma Jackson last week. Now they face a number one seed in Hazelhurst, but I think Columbia is a team to look out for in 3A as a team that could make a run. North Mississippi, Amory is 8-1. They're hosting Choctaw County. Winona 9-1, hosting 7-2. Senatobia, 7-1. North Panola is at 7-2. Nettleton, and you got Boonville at Knoxby County, who's seven and one. Uh, just talked about that Hazelhurst Columbia game in the uh, the southern part of the state. Uh, McGee is eight and zero on the year. Morton is eight and two, so that one could be fun uh, as well. And then let's finish up in uh, in two A. D- do we go straight to Taylorsville, who's ten and one on the year, headed to Philadelphia for this second round game? Well, it's you know all signs point to Taylorsville. And the fact that Ty Keys has taken that team to a state championship game every single season, he's been there. Yeah. Uh, and this is his senior year. So, I, and this is their last year in 2A. They're moving to 1A next year. So, you know, the, the stars kind of align for them. But there's a game uh, in Wesson between Union and Wesson tonight. Watch out for those two teams. They're both eight and two. They both have high-powered offenses, and I think the winner of that game will face Taylorsville in the next round. I, I still think it's Taylorsville's to lose, um, but don't sleep on either one of these teams. Wesson put right. up fifty-six last week in a win over Bay Springs in overtime. So yeah, they and they held Bay Springs on a two-point conversion uh, that would have tied that game. So a really fun team to watch in Wesson. Quick peek at the uh, MAIS. PCS is at MRA. MRA has been dominant. They are undefeated on the season. And then on the other side, these are semifinal games trying to get to the state championship. Jackson Academy and Jackson Prep. No love loss there. Pretty pretty competitive series. <laughs> kind of a rivalry. Uh, they will uh, hook up for a chance to uh, play in the state championship. Lamar and Leak, Adams Christian and Heritage in 5A down in 4A. It uh, feels like it's uh, not uncommon to see Winston Academy deep yep. into the playoffs there at Riverfield tonight, who's got only one loss. Uh, Brookhaven Academy, Wayne Academy. Uh, 3A, it's Greenville St. Joe and Carroll Academy. Winona Christian and Greenville Christian. And at 2A, Humphreys and Manchester. Riverdale, which is out of Louisiana, is at Delta. And then in 1A, Tallulah, Louisiana, is at DeSoto, Arkansas. And that's part of your Mississippi high school football yeah. playoffs. Hey, hey, one really quick note. Marquise Crosby of PCS, he needs 37 yards to break the Mississippi State high school record for rushing yards in a season. And he is 450-something yards away from the state record uh, for the career. All right. Great stuff. Preview show comes up at 6. Scoreboard show from Mississippi Farm Bureau, 10 until 11.30. Round 1, 5A, 6A, and 1A, and it's uh, round 2 for 2A, 3A, and 4A. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Sports Talk Mississippi. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, rolling into the 5 o'clock hour, final hour of the work week for many. Some of you have already shut it down. Some of you don't even work on Fridays, which is a good gig if you can get it. 
Thanks for being with us. It really is good, yep. yeah. What? Not working on Fridays. I'm, I just sort of mail it in at this point. <laughs> well, thanks. You've still got work to do. You've still got picks to make. You've still got a couple of questions to answer. I don't have any picks to make. My picks are made, my friend. There you go. right here on my computer ready to be revealed. So I guess you can just uh, just mail it in. Borky, we've still got to work, though. Yeah, as I do every day. Oh my God. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Monday through Friday thing. Yeah. For me, it's, you know, 8 to 6. For you guys, 3 to 6, but that's okay. It is definitely till 6, I'll tell you that. It is definitely till 6. I'm not working after 6. 6.01? Not forget about it. Not studio working. could burn down. And I'm out. I'll, I'll, I'll come I sent Borky a text message at like eight thirty. Um, I guess it was on Wednesday night. I think, it, and I got a response from him at like six the next morning. <laughs> That's nope, my window. I, I'm out. I'm busy. I, I really do feel like I could tell him, hey. I got Dak Prescott coming on with us tomorrow, three thirty-seven, and he would he would hit me up at eight a.m. Like, great, cool. Yeah, looking forward to that. That would be awesome. <laughs> but between six and midnight, that, that is that is me time. That's Borky time. Ceasefire text line is open 601-879-4395. Bull, there's a lot of it in wireless, but Ceasefire thinks you deserve a plan that's actually what it says. Here's the real deal. The best plan for one or two lines. Period. Unlimited talk and text. 10 gigabytes of high-speed data, $45 a line with auto-pay and paperless billing. Without auto-pay, it's only 50 bucks. How's that for fine print? No bull. That's the real deal. Switch today at cspire.com slash real deal. Time right now for the College Football Fix. Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. You can start your search there, but know that the holiday sales event is going on right now, and that means savings across the entire lineup, whether it's the Expedition or the Explorer, the F-150, the Super Duty, the Ranger, you name it. Check them out at your local Mississippi Ford dealers today. I want to start with a text message. I want to get your reaction to this, guys. This was from John in Greenwood. Came in about an hour ago. He said, I've had enough of the virus, as we all have. We can all agree on that. He says, however, we can't keep postponing games and pushing games back forever. Guess it's time to pull the plug on the college football season as much as it kills me to say that. John, I could not disagree anymore with that. I think you keep plugging. I think you hang on for dear life. And if you have to be flexible, you have to be flexible until you just can't be flexible anymore. But I don't think we've reached the point where we can't be flexible anymore. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you disagree. Maybe many of you disagree. Borky, hey, Dad, you guys may disagree with me. But 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 I'm not where John from Greenwood is. I will say that I'm a little, little concerned. I'm not where I was, what, that week in August when I thought that everything was about to shut down. But yeah, this is this feels like it's it's starting to you know become a little tighter. But the SEC's announcement today gives me some hope that they'll find a way to get through this. And hey, they may just they may just not finish the football season until uh, deep into the, the spring semester. We'll see who, you know what, how that goes about you know maybe late January. That we'll see how that goes because you know you always have some academic casualties here and there and guys just wanting to move on. But 
I, hey, I don't I, think it's time to sit, to shut things down for sure. I've got a question for you. Yeah. Borky, do you, before I ask Katie the question, any thoughts on John's message? Uh, I just, I, I'm with you. I, I don't think that it is time for that at all. And we've gotten this far, especially. Uh, one little bump is just going to cause us to panic and and shrivel up and give up? No. I, okay. Um, hey, Dad, how close is Mississippi State to having to shut it down, period? That's a good question. You know, uh, I saw my, and maybe my friend I, Ro- and Forgive me for interrupting. Maybe I should elaborate. If you happen to be listening, you're like, what, what, hold on, what do you mean? Well, Mississippi State is supposedly down to about 65 scholarship players. There is a 53-player threshold plus position group thresholds that you've got to meet. There have been injuries. There's been attrition. There's been opt-outs, not to mention COVID and contact tracing related to it. Is Mississippi State in danger? I guess this is a larger question of not having enough people to be able to field a team for the remainder of the year. Well, the, the, the biggest question mark is obviously going to be quarterback. You know, with Costello, is he still in the concussion protocol? They haven't, we haven't got any kind of update on that. But let's say that he is, right? He's not available to play against Georgia. And then Will Rogers in practice just, you know, turns an ankle or something. That's that. They can't play. They don't have any more scholarship quarterbacks. And in so, a typical year, that wouldn't be an issue. That'd be, well, that's tough luck for you. Play on, boys. Right. Yeah, you know, tell Jaquavius Marks to get used to the Wildcat. Um, but, yeah, and this year, that's the end of the season. If you can't get your, if you if you can't have one scholarship quarterback uh, available to you, so state's sort of precarious in that because you know with Maiden gone and Schrader gone, you just don't have the numbers there at that position. And if Costello is, you know, I mean, he took a nasty shot at Alabama. I don't know how long he's going to be out. So if he's out this week and something happens to Rogers, I, I, that could be it. You know. So yeah, they're sort of on the on the razor's edge for sure. I mean, there's not a lot, you know. I think they had, like I said, 65 players. You know, a couple more injuries and in, at the right position groups, and you're gonna you're gonna have some hard questions to answer. And and then you'd have to make a decision. I mean, you could say we're just gonna move somebody else to quarterback. You you could somebody else that is on scholarship. It feels like it feels like a, a workaround. Would would the SEC accept? Okay, we have moved. Dylan Johnson to quarterback. It's a permanent move. I mean, how 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 does that work? I, I don't. I mean, no different than taking a defensive lineman and moving to the, him to the offensive line. Right. I mean, I get what you're or saying. Or taking an under offensive lineman and moving him to the defensive line. I get what you're saying under normal circumstances, but in this COVID year, would they not look at that with a little extra scrutiny and go, "They're just trying to keep their games going, even though they don't have a real quarterback." Sure, they might. They they might look at that, but I don't think there would be an objection to that. Okay, I don't know. I, I think it would be I think it would be a team saying, "Look, we're doing everything we can to play. Our guys have worked their rear ends off, and look, it, it may not look how we want it to, but we're going to take this guy that played quarterback in high school. We're going to make him a quarterback." Wouldn't the objection have to come from the school side? And on top I would of that, think so if yeah. if I'm Kentucky, for example, and a school wants to say, "Hey, look." We're at a scholarship quarterback, so we're going to shut it down. If I'm Mark Stoops, I'm on the phone that minute with Greg Sankey. I played all last season with a wide receiver at quarterback. If they yeah. have 53, they're playing. Sorry. Because that's what we had to do last year. Yeah. I, I would be furious if I were him and if that were to happen. That's the thing to remember is 
You know, all the state has a lot of injuries, and obviously they've had a, a lot of attrition. But none of that would matter in a regular year. It just wouldn't be a problem. You know, they, they right. would just tell you, like like you just said, hey, buck buckle up. up. you got a Lynn Bowden type. But in the COVID year, you could have just one guy with COVID out, but you have enough injuries and defections and everything else, you, you know, and you get you have to sit out. Which is sort which of what's happening. It certainly seems this week. to kind of fly in the face of the spirit of the rule yeah. that they put in place. Oh, yeah. college football coaches doing things that are against the spirit of the rules? They would never do that. Yeah. Jason says it isn't a little speed bump, though, guys. This is the first evidence of a vehicle that's not far from speeding its way over a cliff, Thelma and Louise style. Well, then let's just hang it up, then. I'm not for that. No, me either. Look at what happened in Major League Baseball. But look, I'm also not for shutting down our economy or businesses or schools or the world or whatever else. I understand we've got to be careful. I understand if you get it, you got to go quarantine. And if the contact tracing gets you, so be it. But that doesn't mean everybody else should stop. It just doesn't. Right. Um, interesting story out of Knoxville. We've got picks coming up. We've got to ask two questions. We'll do all of that. And I'm not sure we've really got time to get into all of this, but we can at least touch on it. There were eight assistant football coaches who, because they are contract employees and not at-will employees, they were asked to take a voluntary pay cut. A couple of the assistant coaches at the University of Tennessee agreed to take a pay cut. Eight of them did not. Tennessee is facing a $40 million loss in revenue during this fiscal year, largely because of pandemic-induced reduction in football revenue. Porky, uh, we, we went through the little um, exercise of fair or foul earlier this season. We'll bring that back and discuss this in just a second. Football coaches who are under contract um, refusing to take a pay cut, declining to take a pay cut. Fair or foul? We'll get to that next. All right, so here's the story from KnoxNews.com. Eight Tennessee football staff members rejected pay cuts that were proposed by the athletic department to help combat financial losses by the COVID-19 pandemic. That's according to documents obtained by Knox News via a public records request. The eight staff members are the only athletic department employees who were asked to accept a pay cut and declined. Wide receivers coach T. Martin and running backs coach Jay Graham are the only football assistants who have accepted pay cuts. The coaches who declined to accept a pay cut, offensive coordinator Jim Chaney, defensive coordinator Derek Ansley, offensive line coach Will Friend, quarterbacks coach Chris Winkie, inside linebackers coach Brian Niedermeyer, outside linebackers coach Shelton Felton, tight ends coach Joe Ozavet, and their strength and conditioning coach, A.J. Artis. The athletic department has avoided layoffs, but in October announced tiered pay cuts that would go into effect from November 1st through June 30th for all employees making more than $50,000 annually. Salaries of at-will employees can be freely altered, but the salaries of Tennessee's head coaches and football assistants are protected by their contracts. By the way, Jeremy Pruitt was not asked to take a pay cut because he did not accept a raise for the 2020 contract year as part of a contract extension that he signed in September. 
The athletic department considered that to be his contribution to the plan. His raise will kick in during the 2021 contract year. Buddy, he's earned that one. (laughs) These eight coaches declining to take pay cuts, fair or foul. There's an interesting coincidence here, by the way. The two coaches who agreed are both Tennessee alums. The rest of them aren't. Okay. So I say foul. I mean, across college football, people were taking these kind of cuts, man. I mean, you just said the athletic department's going to lose however much money. Why not build up a little yeah, build up a little credit. Right now, as as bad as this team is performing, what you just did was basically say, Hey, I don't want to work here next year. So those guys will probably all be on the chopping block except for Martin well, and Graham. Let me ask you this though. Given the way Tennessee is performing and the fact that Jeremy Pruitt might be forced to make some changes to his staff, why would voluntarily giving up twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars when you have no assurance that you're going to be back next year, why would that make sense? I will answer that question for you. Because they're football coaches. The most unfireable, un, un, they, they stay employed. They're like cockroaches. You can't ever get a football coach to stop. How many jobs does Chad Morris get before we just go, yeah, he sucks, let's, let's not hire him anymore. They'll be hired somewhere next year. They'll all have jobs. There's no doubt in my mind about that. And there's no doubt in their minds about it either. But there's not a guarantee of that. Well, there's not a guarantee of anything in this life, but that's, it, that's as close oh, as Oh, right now their salary is guaranteed. I'm just saying, like, nothing is guaranteed to you in this life. You can just you can wake up tomorrow and an asteroid could hit your house. Just saying that as far as things go, Jim Cheney being employed next year is high on the list of things I'm willing to bet on. It's very clear that these are people that think that they will not uh, be retained at Tennessee. At least they think that. They may or may not be, but they think that, which is why they did this. But I could never possibly side... Uh, with an underperforming, overpaid football coach, especially when everybody else in their department is doing that, including some of their direct colleagues. I think this is bad form. And maybe it's different. I'm not in their shoes, though. I I, I don't make $500,000 a year to call a bad offense and not develop a quarterback. I, um, you know, we at times have trouble paying bills because we're human and that's what happens. Um if I worked for the Tennessee Athletic Department making my exact salary, it would have been cut. That would have been a disaster for me and my family if that's what would have happened to me. So working at a place like that, making the money you do, and performing the way you have, and watching Sally the accountant down the hall, or Jim the social media manager, or Terry the equipment manager taking pay cuts, when you know that they are likely struggling like most people are, and you sit and accept your $500,000 a year salary without making the same sacrifice as your colleagues, I think that's awful. It's bad form, and it's missing what we are so often missing anymore, slight human compassion. If your colleagues who make a tenth of what you make and probably perform better at their job than you do at yours, Hmm. you should probably do the same thing. I'm not much for siding with management, but you got to read the room. Sports are getting cut all over the place. People are losing their jobs. You could afford this this pay cut. Just just take it. Fair enough. Two questions? 
Sure. Well, heck, I mean, we could do all three games if we wanted to with the way everything's falling off. We're not but, doing Vanderbilt, Kentucky. I'm not giving that any more time. Um, that might be the ugliest football game in history. So Vanderbilt absolutely has to just show up, and maybe they'll cover the spread because it's not like Kentucky. I was at 3-2, uh, to two, buddy. Don't you, you shut your <laughs> mouth. I'll tell you about the ugliest game ever. Ole Miss and South Carolina, 11, 11.5, 12-point favorite, depending on where you look, Ole Miss absolutely has to do what if they want to beat the Gamecocks tomorrow? I'm going to say that Ole Miss has to let it fly. Do your thing offensively. Be willing to take shots down the field. Run the ball. Just keep... I I mean, the, the offense against Vanderbilt was really, really good, and it was balanced, and... Matt Corral played at a really high level, and Elijah Moore played at a really high level. And Jerrion Ely had a good game. Snoop Connor had a good game. Just do your thing offensively, because I don't think South Carolina can stop Ole Miss offensively. And I don't think they can keep up with Ole Miss if they can't stop Ole Miss offensively. So I say for the Rebels, let it fly. Yeah, dictate the pace was mine. So it's a very similar concept. I think... Um, as Bruce said, South Carolina can't beat you from behind. If you come out early and you have a couple of quick possessions, South Carolina will not be able to come back on you. They just run a very slow, methodical offense that is very unimaginative and a quarterback that's really struggling basically in all phases of the game. So if you control the pace, if the game is played at the tempo that you play it at, and there's no chance South Carolina can compete with you. The problem is if you let South Carolina, maybe they win the toss and they get the ball first and they have an eight-minute-long touchdown drive where they give it to Harris nine, ten times and they just run the football and pound it at you and pound it at you and control the clock, then it gets dicey. So dictating the pace would be uh, the big one for me. Hey, Dan? Yeah, you're, you're all on the same page here. I was going to say that, you know, get Corral going really, really early uh, in the in the game. Uh, you know, if he gets off to a fast start, like you guys said, it's almost impossible for South Carolina to, to win. If, if, if Ole Miss gets over 30 points, they're going to win the football game. They may not win it easily, but they'll certainly win it. Carolina just doesn't have the offense. So, yeah, Corral going early, get him locked in, you go from there. Ole Miss absolutely cannot do what if – they want to win the game tomorrow. This feels like a cop-out answer, but I, I think it's the deal. They can't turn it over. They, they can't give extra possessions to an offense that wants to slow it down and cause themselves or cost themselves scoring opportunities. Um, you know, turnovers have really only been an issue in one game this year for Ole Miss, and it cost them a football game. Uh, and it wasn't just turnovers. It was an abundance of turnovers. Seven turnovers against Arkansas. I'm not saying that you can't have, that you can't lose a fumble somewhere or have one interception somewhere along the way, but you got to be careful with the football and not give South Carolina opportunities that they didn't earn. So that would be it for me. Protect the football. Don't turn it over. That's the one thing you can't do if you want to win. Yeah. Get run on. Uh, you can't let Kevin Harris run the football on you. Stack the box. Colin Hill is not beating anybody, including Ole Miss with a wide receiver playing defensive back through the air. Stack the box. 
do not let South Carolina run the football on you. Mike Texan says run a 5-2. Heck, run a 5-3 and just cover the three receivers man on man. I mean, Engage eight. Let's go. Seriously. You cannot let them run the football on you. Stack the box. And especially on the edges, you've got to play responsibility football on the edges. That's been such a huge problem for Ole Miss. Luckily, no mobility at quarterback for South Carolina, so you don't really have to worry about contain all that much. But you can't let them run the football on you. For me, it may sound a little weird, but like you can't give up big plays. If you got to make it where if South Carolina's going to score, you've got to make the, make a fifteen play drive. Don't give up the 50, 60 yard chunk plays and let them get going like that. So yeah. you got to make them, you know, stay true to their reputation. And I feel like if South Carolina were to get those big chunk plays, they are probably going to come on the ground with Kevin Harris, yeah. which goes back to the point that Mike was making a second ago. With you know, be a little more careful up front. I met Mike on the text line, not Mike uh, you, Michael Borky. I was about to say, that's a first. Mike yeah. Mike Borky. Rich, Brian, Mike, Please we'll be no. back in a minute. Let us make picks when we come back. Not all that many games this week for uh, Mr. Haydad to be able to make up ground, but we'll give it a go. Know, coming up. Sports though. Talk Mississippi. All the way around last week, Michael Borky went 4-0 on his picks against the spread. Brian Haydad's daughter, for Brian Haydad, went 3-1, and and I went 3-1. and For the year, things have tightened up at the top, and Haydad's trying to make a move. He is eight games below 500 for the year, 16-24. and Michael Borky, with his 4-0 week, climbed to 21-19, and two games above 500. And I have a one-game lead over Borky in our standings at 22-18 and on the year. What are the stakes again? Just that, right? It's a stake? Yep. It's a stake, yeah. There we go. Uh, so that gets us to our uh, picks for this week. Game number one, the one that... Mr. Haydad said he didn't want to talk about it anymore. Uh, Vanderbilt at Kentucky. Vanderbilt Commodores are getting 17 and a half points in this game. I'm going to kind of ride with Bruce Marshall on this one. And just based on what we've seen from Kentucky's offense, I, I think Kentucky probably wins the game. But I don't see them winning it by two and a half touchdowns. So I'll take Vandy in the points, getting 17 and a half. Borky? And Vanderbilt did a little something last weekend. It's no secret that Mississippi State's defense is much better than a lot of people expected. I think Mississippi State defensively is better than what Vanderbilt's going to see this weekend. And Seals threw the ball around a little bit. They ran the football. I'm definitely going to take the points, but this might be one of those really just dragged out football games, and maybe this is where Vanderbilt gets somebody. Okay. Hey, Dad? So when I, I threw out Kentucky versus Vanderbilt to Emily, she said, what is that? What is what? What is Vanderbilt? It's a college. What does it look like? It looks like every other college. It's like, okay. Well, I've never heard of that, but I have heard of Kentucky Fried Chicken, so she's going with Kentucky. All right. Got a little bit of a difference there. I, I like it. 
Arkansas. You haven't talked about wealthy people from the 1800s? I haven't yet. So, for the record, all three of her picks I would have gone against. So, I'm interested to see how this works. It's a real litmus test. Okay. Arkansas is getting 17.5 points in Gainesville. Florida coming off an emotional win in the cocktail party against the Georgia Bulldogs. They have only one loss on the season. They appear to be well on their way to making an appearance in the SEC championship game against Alabama. They've got a little bit of a speed bump this week in the Arkansas Razorbacks. Florida favored by 17.5. Borky, who you got? I want to take Arkansas in this game, and I know Bruce did, and that scares me a little bit. But I think even after the emotional game with Georgia last week, how emotional was it? They kind of dominated almost from the jump. I know it was close early, but Florida cruised in that one. I don't know if you can call that game emotional with how it ended up playing out. There's a talent discrepancy that I think Arkansas cannot overcome. So Franks' return, I know that's a fun story. Arkansas plays hard. Their coach won't be with them on Saturday, and I think Florida is just more talented than that of Arkansas, and that will rear its ugly head again for the Hogs, and Florida will cover. Okay. Hey, Dan? It's all, it's all about the destination for Emily. Simply put, she said she'd rather go to Florida than she would rather go to Arkansas. You know, if we had a choice in places to go, she's going to Florida. So she's going with Florida. She'll take the Gators and give the points. The Florida Gators have scored 26 touchdowns this season. Eight of them have come from Kyle Pitts. He is the favorite target of quarterback Kyle Trask and has been really, really good this year. Kyle Pitts... 24 catches, 414 yards, eight touchdowns. Tony's actually got more catches, but he doesn't average nearly as many yards per catch. Now, if we wake up in the morning and Kyle Pitts plays in this game, I will feel as if I have made a dumb choice here. But I don't think that's what we're going to see, and therefore, I'm going to take the Arkansas Razorbacks. I like them getting 17.5 points. They've shown that they're gritty. They're going to play hard. Maybe there's a little bit of a win-one for the Gipper thing. I don't think Florida is as potent offensively without Kyle Pitts, and so I'll take the Razorbacks and the points. And that brings us to Ole Miss and South Carolina. So uh, so far, that's uh, Borky and I both took Vanderbilt. Hey, Dad went the other way with Kentucky. Borky and Haydad went with Florida. I've got Arkansas. Team Haydad. Um, team Haydad. Team Haydad. And then we get to Ole Miss and South Carolina. Uh, ESPN has this as a 12-point line. Ole Miss favored in the ballgame. Um, I just think Ole Miss is better than South Carolina, especially offensively. And I know Bruce said it is a, a closer game, and he said he liked the under. I, I just I don't see that. I see Ole Miss scoring and scoring often. And I'll lay the 12 pretty comfortably in this one. Who wants to go next? Emily's analysis on this one was was very succinct and to the point. I don't like Ole Miss. She's taking South Carolina, and she'll take the points. Okay. Fair enough. She's not alone in that assessment, I imagine. At least there's rationale. (laughs) Yeah. We didn't have rationale from her last week. This week we actually have rationale. Well, who needs rationale when you're picking winners? 
Fair that, enough. That's the rationale right that's there. Is they win. Um, I don't like this matchup for Ole Miss with South Carolina's style and their ability to run the football, but, man, I watched a lot of that game last week. That looked like a team that quit. And maybe this week, after getting smoked two weeks in a row as a win-one-for-the-Gipper thing at South Carolina, I'm not buying it. That team looked like they quit. They're talking about shuffling quarterbacks, although it sounds like Colin Hill is still going to start there. They're inept and anemic on offense. I don't like the matchup. I think South Carolina is going to run the football pretty well. But one team is still focused and locked in and explosive, and the other team looks like they have quit on their coach. They are not explosive, possibly not locked in either. I'll take the team that wants to be there over the team that seemingly does not. So Michael Borky laying the 12 points and taking Ole Miss. So I've got Vanderbilt, Arkansas, and Ole Miss. Borky's got Vanderbilt, Florida, and Ole Miss. Hey, Dad has Kentucky, Florida, and South Carolina. Mr. Hey, Dad, you and I are opposite on all three picks. You and you and Emily are opposite on all three picks. We oh, would man. be on the same picks. I, 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 I appreciate I, I appreciate that your daughter's making the picks, but you're the one giving them on the radio. I'm just saying, team hate it. How do I know you're, you're not lying about this? That you just made it up and you're trying okay. to give your daughter credit for this? Very good. When in reality, Next week we'll you. have video evidence, audio evidence. We can play it here on the air. Oh, that'll be good. You, you should do that, and then we can right. play. I'll do it. I'll bring her to the studio. I love it. I uh, I love it. All right. So we'll see. Any of the um, any of the top twenty five games grab your attention? The the slate is awful, man. Awful. It was great. Now it's bad. Yeah, it's um, but I'll be checking in on Oregon, Washington State now. Now that uh, yeah. Bruce put that that bug in my ear, I thought yeah, Boyd, no you know, his first game last week they were pretty impressive uh, for Oregon's offense. But now now you got me uh wondering what's going to happen there. And, and Wisconsin, Michigan is no longer attractive because Michigan's just been awful. I mean, I guess the brands still kind of keep you in, but I'm just I'm not as interested in that anymore. Kind of interested to see Wisconsin after not playing for a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's tough. Because Graham Mertz and his debut was outstanding. One top 25 team in action tonight, Cincinnati, is a 28-point favorite at home against East Carolina. you got two other games going on tonight. FAU-FIU on CBS Sports Network. So Florida Atlantic, Florida International, FAU is 3-1, FIU is 0-3. And the Owls are a nine and a half point favorite. Iowa is a three point favorite tonight against Minnesota. That game is on FS1 at six o'clock. And then the one I mentioned a second ago, ESPN2, East Carolina, Cincinnati. Cincinnati, big favorite, 28 point favorite in that game. So if you're looking for some college football tonight, you've got it. You, you want to know how, I mean, we already knew this already. And I'm not tooting anybody's horn. I I don't like the people at the SEC office most of the time. But you know how the SEC is the king of college football for a couple of reasons. Because one, Big Ten's playing on Friday nights. That's how they're trying to get people to pay attention. They're playing on Friday night now. And the Pac-12 is starting games at 9 a.m. local time. 9 o'clock in the morning just to get people to watch. You know who's not doing that? I think that says a lot. We will wrap up the show with you next. 
Super Talk Mississippi media production.